Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In our last episode of the podcast, we discussed how Kansas City was founded, how folks came here from the east and settled right here in Kansas City. In this episode of Kansas City, Two States, One History, we're looking at exactly how Kansas City became to be built how the streets were made, how the bluffs were cut out, and how the city that we know today started from the ground up. Here's a look at how Kansas City was actually created. You know, the last time we got together about a month ago and did this podcast, Diane, we discussed how Kansas City was founded. Right. Now we've got a town to build, and we're going to find out today how this town was built. And Father Bernard Donnelly, who I guess has a lot of next of kin in Kansas City, there's a ton of Donnellys in Kansas City right now, he was that guy. How did he become the guy that basically said, all right, let's now build a town where Kansas City is uh, is today? He's a pretty cool guy. I mean, he's not your typical uh, Catholic priest, that's for sure. I mean, at least in today's standards. Yeah, Bernard Donnelly, he he was uh, the the founder. I, he's kind of known as the builder of Kansas City. And uh, when he decided to show up in the frontier, you have to realize, of course, there's like no one out here. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. He he was born in 1810 in uh, County Cavan, Ireland. Allegedly and, 1810. Right. Though, right? I, this is, you know, why did you need, why do we have to know our birth dates today? Right. For legal purposes well, and for everything booze. else. Let's call it what it is. You need to know your birthday so you can drink. Yeah, not vote. Just right. drink. Just drink. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he didn't really know when he was born. I mean, it, it still isn't really proven. They say 1810 and, you know, he used to compare his uh, birth date or how he would, you know, relate to how old he was, would say, you know, uh, well, I was about six years old when this happened. So he would relate it to historical events, um, but supposedly born around 1810. Um, we'll just we'll, we'll call it that. And he was, uh, you know, from a poor uh, Irish family and he studied algebra, trig, geometry, English, Latin, Greek. I mean, he was he was a very smart guy. He ended up uh, studying as well civil engineering, which kind of opened up a pathway for him. Um, and he kind of traveled, went to London, um, was a teacher in um, Ireland. But in 1839, he decides, like so many people did, I'm going to come to America. So that's how he ended up in the States. Um, Do you think he sang that Neil Diamond song, Coming to America Today? Yeah, like, Was maybe. he singing that at the I, time? I mean, that, that or sh- you know, maybe reciting some Shakespeare or something. Oh, probably. Might be more Bill legit. Shakespeare was bigger than Neil Diamond at the time, Just, I think. Yeah. Y- y- I, poor Neil wasn't that old, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I saw his last concert here in Kansas City. <laughs> was there lips singing in that one? There was a lot of talking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm coming to America. <laughs> That's what happens to the vocal cords in age. Yeah, he originally he settles in Pittsburgh. He's got some teaching positions that he works, and he actually ends up in Ohio. And it's kind of an interesting connection to Kansas City. He ends up in Lancaster, Ohio, and he's backed by Senator Thomas Ewing, who has a really interesting. His son has a very interesting history in Kansas City that kind of is a full circle type thing. We'll probably get into. Um, he ends up teaching there, and in 1842, he just wakes up one day. I don't know if he maybe was thinking about it. Maybe you know he wasn't popular with the ladies. I'm not sure, but he just wakes up and says, "You know, I'm going to become a priest," 
which was kind of an interesting decision, um, you know, in your 30s at that point or about 30. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decides to become a tree, uh, priest and he goes to St. Louis. And um, that's basically St. Louis diocese. You have to remember um, that that would have been the only diocese for the entire state of Missouri because there is no real Kansas City diocese at the time. Um, so he goes there and he goes to uh, he's sent to St. Mary's Seminary in the Barrens, which uh, is in Perry County. It's now in the town of Perryville. He's actually on the National Register, which is pretty cool. Um, and he goes down there and um, ends up being sent in 1845. He gets his appointment. So he becomes a priest. He gets his appointment. And they're like, we're going to send you to the edge of the frontier. And, you know, everybody's like, this guy's really smart. Why are we sending the good guy out to the boonies? I mean, that's basically what happened, which I am Catholic. And I can't say some of my favorite priests end up being sent out to the boonies, which is, you know, maybe there's a there's a reason for that. I'm not sure. So he ends up with the appointment that includes the missions of Westport Landing, which, of course, would be Showtoastown, a.k.a. Kansas City, Independence, Westport, Liberty, Clay County, and about 100 other places. So his his appointment is like, you know, all that stuff to the West. You know, it wasn't very Go specific. Go out there and just kind of figure things out yeah, for us. Yeah, right. And it's not like he's going out and he's got like hundreds of churches to attend to. There's essentially two churches, one in, uh, one in Independence, which is St. Mary's, and then Shoto's Church, which is essentially exactly where the cathedral is today in downtown Kansas City, there's a log cabin church and a little house that he can live in that is in downtown Kansas City or in, uh, essentially in that area, um, Quality Hill area. So he's uh, he's not the first Catholic priest sent there. So there was a guy there before because, you know, you got to remember Kansas City, as we've talked about before, was settled by um, French Catholics. So they had their church and that would be the Shoto Church. And the first Catholic priest that was sent there was Father Father Benedict Rue, and he's there from 1831 to 1835. He's the one who essentially builds this this church. There's nine families there. Nine families are in charge of this little church. So, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be appointed to the Western Frontier, and one of the churches has maybe a dozen families attached to it. I mean, not a huge deal. Um, so he was really here for the beginning of uh, Kansas City, for sure. And, and and you know I think it's it's interesting you say the the beginning of Kansas City so it basically like there's a city here but there's nothing about it and with all the background that he had with all the math with all the right. studying that he did like mm-hmm. he was even a rock cutter and a stone grinder and like all this weird stuff that you wouldn't think somebody <laughs> would have it was almost like and I, and I hate to use this analogy because it's a cheap analogy but it was almost like he was sent here by God to uh, take care of all of I this believe stuff, that you know? honestly I, I really do and that's I maybe why he became a priest so he would end up here like he had his calling kind of maybe predetermined for him you know absolutely and I and he wasn't just and I think it's uh, important and remember, there's not like a million churches that we have today. It's like you go to, you know, it, there's a church on almost every street corner in the middle of subdivisions. I mean, we have a church for everybody. And at this point, this is the first cat. This is the first church in Kansas City is the Catholic Log Cabin Church, which was called um, St. Uh, Regis, essentially. Um, when when that church is built, it's it's going to just I mean, if you're a if you're a pioneer from K- Tennessee, Kentucky or wherever, because that, that's predominantly who settled this area after the French Catholics. Um, I guess you'd probably just go to church wherever you can go to church because it's not you got traveling priests, you've got missionaries and some Jesuits, of course. And that's about it. So he's going to serve whoever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's I I don't even think it really mattered at that point for denomination as much as it mattered that you had a guy who, like you said, might have been just sent from God. I'm not sure. Uh, but he he sent he he sent to the area and he he's looking. He's stationed in St. Mary's in Independence. 
but he kind of has an idea. And again, he's got that vision almost like John McCoy. He's got that vision when he goes to Kansas City or to the area and looks at basically the top of 11th in um, Pennsylvania, Quality Hill. He's sitting there. He's like, there could be a town here, you know? And like you said, he had the skills to help them build that. So uh, the parish was kind of left to rot until uh, it was attended to by the Jesuits in Westport at that point. Because remember, Ben, I told you that Rue left. Mm -hmm. And so in 1847, he finally decides to make his home church, if you will, Choteau's Church, which is the one um, at 11th and uh, Jefferson. So he he gets there and he's so smart. And I think I I wish I were this smart. You know, I mean, I'm just not that great with languages, but. He, he gets there, and one of the stories that was told about him is that he knew that the Osage Indians were going to be traveling to Washington, D.C., and he they were going to stop in Kansas City, and, and they were going to, you know, of course, say hello to these Osage that were coming through. They went to the church to say hello, and he had a mass and everything like that. Father Donnelly actually planned ahead by going to the Shawnee Indian Mission and learning the Osage language a couple weeks before. I'm like, what? Now how do you learn a language a couple weeks before, right? I mean, come but I on. think that was one of his great attributes: not only being smart, but being able to touch and 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 assimilate himself into all these different cultures exactly. and kind of be like a chameleon almost. I, exactly, and I think it's just incredible that. And he, some people just have you know a knack for languages, yeah. and I think once you, especially with, did children, they have the Rosetta Stone back then? I mean, like, how did he do it? <laughs> yeah, did he throw in a CD? Rom and listen, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, they didn't have the translator on your phone, any, certainly back then. Um, I think he had a, a knack for languages because he did have Latin and Greek training. So I think, you know, once you have that kind of training, it, it is easier. But still, like, come on. He's got like two weeks notice and he travels on over to Shawnee Indian Missions like, hey, teach me some Osage. What's so incredible is that it was said that he addressed the Indians in the church for 15 minutes yeah, that's in the crazy. Osage. That's like, crazy. What? I couldn't go and learn a language for two weeks and address anybody for five seconds, let alone go learn for two weeks and right. you know do what do what he did and then get the Osage Indians kind of on his side and you know leading to the more formation of Kansas City by bringing in you know different people. I mean, the, the guy literally had an ability yeah. to touch everybody. You know, and, yeah. I mean, when you learn a language, I mean, it, maybe I'm just the one that like learns like how to order a beer, <laughs> say hello, yeah, excuse me. Those are the kind of things I took six years of Spanish and. You know, people give me trouble all the time. They're like, you should know more than you do. I'm like, yeah, yeah well. I took four years in high school, and my teacher told me at graduation, don't ever tell anybody you took four years of Spanish. <laughs> exactly. I took it in college. It's bad. Yeah. I took one semester in college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we obviously are not as smart as Bernard Donnelly was. No. Yeah, so he, he comes to the area. I can't believe it. And, and it's cool that we all have this foundation like you brought up, but Bernard Donnelly, Donnelly is a common name. And, you know, I, if I were out there and I had the last name Donnelly, I'd certainly be claiming him as one of my relatives if I could. Um, I mean, 10% of Kansas City today says that they have Irish, oh. well, say they're Irish. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I think I actually believe it would be even more than that. But I mean, this this area and, and Bernard is the reason Father Donnelly is the reason that the Irish first settled in Kansas City because he comes and he he notices that there's bluffs. They called them bluffs as high as little mountains that are on this, you know, right off the riverfront. And. You know, as they formed the town of Kansas, and this was, you know, eight years before he arrives in the area, when they really are establishing this town, they know, and John McCoy had planned that they had to cut out those bluffs, but they didn't have any idea of how they were going to do it. Well, then you have a priest who's trained as a civil engineer. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. So he's like, I I got this. I'm going to, I've got this. We're going to get some Irish laborers. Apparently they work, you know, better than the rest of the laborers in town. He's like, I've got friends in St. Louis. I'm going to build a gas factory. 
will light the streets, will light the homes. So he writes to Bo- the Boston Pilot newspaper and the Freeman's Journal of New York. And he's asked for 150 immigrants, Irish immigrants from those areas to come to Kansas City. He promises to pay their passage and offer better wages. But there's a catch. And I think this is where Father Donnelly and I might not have gotten along. He says, you have to be sober. Oh, I'm out. And you have to go to mass. Uh-huh. Right. That's church. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he says now he knows the temperament of the Irish folks. And he also knows that different people from different areas of Ireland don't get along. I mean, like, here we go with history repeating itself, certainly today, because, I mean, still Ireland is, you know, fighting. Um, so he calls for them all to be from the province of Connaught. And they come, 300 of them come to Kansas City to legit carve out Kansas City. And they are set up in 1856, first to carve out 46 feet. That's no joke when you don't have a bulldozer. Sure. 46 feet between about 4th Street, between Wyandotte, Maine, Delaware, and what would have been Market Street at the time, which is now Grand Avenue. Mm-hmm. We're going to cut this all out. This is before the Civil War. Actually, this is right during the Border Wars even. And that's how Kansas City is legit cut out of, of, of the bluffs is because they, these Irishmen are sent to the area. And, you know, the area that they lived in, which was kind of cool, was um, they ended up nicknaming it Connaught Town, obviously, because they all were from Connaught. I can only imagine all these like Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky slave owners watching all these Irish, you know, roll into town and what they would have thought of this whole thing. Well, I mean, they did a good job because uh, those bluffs certainly were cut out. Well, and, and that's the interesting thing. The bluffs at, at, at that time seemed so intimidating to everybody. Everything that we've kind of talked about so far, we was like, well, the bottoms are really good, but those bluffs, oh, my God, I'm scared of the bluffs. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go near the bluffs. I don't want to touch the bluffs. And Father Donnelly, again, who I said was like actually put here by a, an act of God, it seems like, what are the odds that somebody would come over here that has the ability, not only in the civil engineering, but, oh, I cut those rocks before in Ireland. I know exactly what we're doing, and I know exactly the people that we need. Right. You know, things happen for a reason. And him Absolutely. coming here with all of that background was obviously the reason why was to cut out those bluffs and get this city established the way that he did. And also leading to, as you mentioned, the Irish population here, which is now yeah. one of the top five or six Irish capitals of America right, right here in Kansas City. And without Irish Father parade. Donnelly, we wouldn't have that Irish influence. In Absolutely. Town. And I think that is it, it, a lot of those Irish that originally came to Kansas City didn't stay, of course. I mean, they ended up going west. Um, but it's not like they just these 300 men didn't come with some of their families as well. Um, and, and some of them did stay. I actually did some research for a guy whose last name is Donnelly, which I'm just going to say that mm-hmm. a, a local uh, lawyer in Kansas City um, hired me to do some genealogy research for him. And his family, you know, at first I couldn't figure it out because I didn't really know the background at the time about Bernard Donnelly. Couldn't figure out why this Irish guy moved to Kansas City from New York. I'm like, oh, I get it. He's one of those original laborers whose last name happened to be it wasn't Donnelly, but um, he his, his last name was Burn. Was that right? So he so they came here and they've been here ever since. And and to have that kind of cool history where you've been here, like I've been here longer than you have. Um, they've they've been here for so long, and it wouldn't have happened that way. And think about every life that would have been affected. It wouldn't have happened that way had Donnelly not called for these different Irish people to come to the area, and and. We, we have such a huge Irish population in Kansas City. Right. And I, I do believe that's because of Donnelly. And we do. I don't think people realize if you, you know, some of us in Kansas City do live in a little bit of a bubble. To realize that we have this Irish parade that we have is very unique to Kansas City. 
Um, and and I believe all of that foundational of that celebration of the Kansas City Irish Fest, all these things that we do, um, and a lot of them are Catholic. Um, a lot of things that we do in town are because of this history of, of Bernard Donnelly. We have a, we definitely have him to thank for a lot of different things. Well, I think also, too, when you, when you sit back, and, and I do this all the time, and I'm sure you've done this and other people have done it, how did you end up in Kansas City? How did Kansas City get such a to be a big Irish capital? Or how did St. Louis have the Italian influence? And then you start doing the research exactly. and find out exactly how that happened. And it happened because Father Donnelly said, all right, I need 300 people to come here. And 300 people came here, brought their families here, stayed here, had generations after generation after generation. And Kansas City is... And and just from my experience talking to the folks over Brown's Irish Market, Great a place. lot of people look at Kansas City from Ireland. They go, it's very similar to what we have over in Ireland. So it kind of made them feel at home, and so they stayed. And I think that's absolutely true. I, I the the Irish population, and and we do have so many unique things, and 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 there is some paying homage, and I don't think that we do it enough with Bernard. Um, and I should call him Father Donnelly. I feel like I didn't say the sign, do the sign of the cross right now, but. Um, he he was down in you know eleventh in Pennsylvania and and to see I can't even imagine you know because he he passes in eighteen eighty but I can't even imagine watching this metropolis just like come out of the ground mm-hmm. I mean that he's watching from one of the highest bluffs I mean you got to realize Quality Hill is a legit a hill yeah so he's watching this town build in eighteen fifty seven he he actually replaces that little log church that was originally built and builds the uh, the first brick church in Kansas City so again. First of this, first of that, first brick church, which was called Immaculate Conception, which was the name that it still has today. It's not the same one, but um, the second church was built in 1883 and dedicated on the land um, by Bishop Hogan, I believe. But um, and he was already passed by then. He saw so much in his time. I mean, can you imagine even watching like the Battle of Westport? Right, this whole this whole Union Confederacy, this this entire Civil War, and even before that, the Border Wars, and having a connection to that. And watching the Battle of Westport unfold in October 1864, people knew like Sterling Price was uh, a Confederate general. He was taking money from the banks. Not a good thing. So, you know, your money's not safe anywhere. And you can imagine not knowing what was going to happen to you and seeing that this battle might take place. So uh, Bishop Lillis later wrote that that people started bringing Bernard Donnelly money in cans and jars and purses and asking for him to hide it for him. That's how much the, the whole community trusted him. Mm-hmm. They might not go to mass at Father Donnelly's, you know, Immaculate Conception Church, but they certainly trusted him. And so he's like, just take care of this until the war is over. I love this story because he didn't know what to do. He's like, I want to get all this money. So he takes out a ledger because he was great at taking record or keeping records. I've actually held in my hands his original records, which is really cool. Um, He's sitting there taking record, note, he knowing, noting what people are giving him. And then he's like, okay. He goes, knocks on the door of the sexton, and he says, let's go. We got to bury this. So he goes down the pathway in the graveyard, because there's a graveyard right next to the church, and he digs up a piece of, you know, piece of the ground, and he sticks the, you know, the money in there. And then the sexton, bad guy, the sexton goes to the bar, has a little bit too much to drink. Tells everybody where the money is. Yeah, he's like, we just buried a fortune. Donnelly gets word of this. He's like, oh, crap. So he actually has to go in the middle of the night, dig the money up, and move it. So Because now the sexton's not trustworthy. After the Battle of Westport moves through town, he can't find the money. What? He can't find. He's like, where did I put that? That's like losing your car keys. It's not like, like, where, where where did that thousands of dollars go? He felt so bad, and he he never found it. 
He felt so bad that he went and took out a personal loan at the bank and paid everybody back. I mean, I can't imagine. And, and you know, of course, the story goes, as they built Quality Hill, it's like, you know, dig a little deeper. Yeah, maybe. did anybody ever find the money? Never found the money. I don't know if somebody... You want to go look for it after this show? Let's let's just get a bulldozer. Let's dig up a parking lot. Yeah. I mean, and there is a story about that, too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people looked, I'm sure, after word got out, I mean... He didn't, I don't think he, I don't even know if he really told anybody that he lost the money or if he just turned over the money. I'm not sure. But, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, so all that happens. So the cemetery's got to be moved. And actually, that's where he, you know, he knew he buried it somewhere in the cemetery. So the cemetery's got to be moved because the city's moving in. Yeah. You know, you, again, it's building up. So in 1873, he purchases, he, he actually sells about 40 acres in Quality Hill to purchase land at 22nd in Cleveland. Not sure this that would be an equal trade today. Um, at 22nd in Cleveland to build a new Catholic cemetery, which would be Mount St. Mary's. It's a beautiful cemetery if you've never been there. Um, so he actually, they dig up all these bodies and they throw them over in St. Mary's. Well, they missed a few pieces. Well, of course they did. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing is, is that some of these, you know, had wooden crosses. So there's like a mass grave at Mount St. Mary's where a bunch of the, like sh- people that you would know, like the names that are common that you would know, like Prudhomme kind of got lost in that whole mix. There's a lot of people that have Kansas City roots that were originally buried in one location and were moved somewhere else, and they just didn't, you know, get they, all the They didn't make it all the way over there. That's- yeah. So in 1986, you know, like talk about going and, you know, getting a shovel. In 1986, under a parking lot, they were, uh, you know, doing some construction at the southwest corner of 11th and Jefferson, and they found some bones. And they're like, whoa, this, is, this isn't good. And I would love it because the Catholic Church is like, well, we better go get them. You know? So they went and got them and, and actually did move them to Mount St. Mary's. But at that time, of course, that buried treasure, you know, whole story comes up again. People are like, maybe we should keep looking. Did you find any money? I didn't find anything. And he's like, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. That's what the, the priest in charge said. He's like, eh, I'm not going to lose any sleep over this. I'm like, I don't know. That might be worth a lot Who of money. Who knows how much it could be potentially oh, worth you, and yeah. I don't think it was in, back then. It wasn't just about hiding money currency because especially since during the war a lot of people had confederacy you know confederacy currency that was worth literally nil nothing yeah. yeah so you're you're talking about i'm sure jewelry and other things so it wouldn't have just been you know one thing and that's <clears throat> there's a lot of interesting stories out there and i've read lots of them because it's not like that was the only person that buried stuff during the war right um as you know people were exiled from their homes people would you know bury treasure and say, you know, bury their best stuff and actually, you know, dig it up later. And I've, I've actually seen things that were buried during the war that were dug up by families later. Like we're talking sterling silver tea sets, things that really mattered that were worth a lot of money for the community. So um, I've actually seen that happen. And, and even in the 1920s, when uh, the city was moving south, somebody found a bag of like gold coins. It's like, why, why can't I flip can't a rock I in my backyard like and that. be like, well, there, there's that treasure I right. forgot about. So, so Donnelly gets this whole thing started. He gets the buffs cut down. People start putting in streets. Right. They start building things. And then, obviously, he passes away because one thing leads to another. I don't know. You're 90 years old or 70 years old, whatever <laughs> Or whatever age. <laughs> whatever age you <laughs> yeah. are at that time. So, ultimately, what... What do we have now in Kansas City to remember Father Donnelly by? Because if he's considered the builder of Kansas City, right. where do I go today and say, aha, that represents Father Donnelly? Yeah, where's Donnelly's pub? Right. That should be a Come nice on. pub name, right? I know. I, I, we've got so many great ideas. We need to open a whole like shop shopping district named after things. Uh, he had he had his hand in a lot of things. You, uh, He decided to build. He also had the first school in town. 
uh, the second school that was put there in 1866, he had called out to the Sisters of St. Joseph of Crondelet, not Crondelet people, mm-hmm. it's Crondelet, just so you know, um, which of course you've heard of, I mean, St. Joe Hospital and things like that, but um, he called out to them, they, at the end of the Civil War, they were known for education, and they built St. Joseph's Academy at 12th and Washington, which one year later became St. Teresa's Academy, which has obviously been around since 1867, St. Teresa's Academy. Um, in 1909, they moved out to uh, 56th in Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of cool. They have the original bell from uh, Father Rue's church, and I didn't even know that. I'm like, hey, how did I not know that? He also uh, built two orphanages, a school in the West Bottoms. He uh, helped plan and helped execute the Hannibal Bridge, Mr. Civil, civil Engineer himself. So today what we have, it's kind of sad. He died December 14th, 1880. Um, today we really, what, what the legacy I would say for at least Catholics in Kansas city is that Bishop Hogan used Donnelly's church as the foundation of the diocese in Kansas city. Then remember again, when he was first starting out here, Donnelly, that was the St. Louis diocese. Uh, it's known as the mother church today. So they build this church of immaculate conception, the second one. Um, and there's a marker at the cathedral that proclaims that quote, he was universally respected as a religious and civic leader and as a friend to all, regardless of creed or color. So if you go to the Immaculate Conception parking lot, there's a inconspicuous marker that says Father Bernard Donnelly, and it does tell the history, including about the bluffs, um, of his contribution to Kansas City. I think we, and, and as a community, have him to thank. And Catholics in Kansas City, if you can imagine, remember, nine Catholic families to start with, probably a dozen by the time he gets here. And today... The Diocese of Kansas City St. Joseph has 1.5 million Catholics living in the area. That's a whole lot of people that should be thanking Donnelly. I mean, he's just, you know, what a man. You know, uh, what a religious man. Like you said, I think he was sent by God. It really is pretty impressive to think about what Father Donnelly was able to do right here in Kansas City, how he was able to have, you know, all those different types of degrees that allowed him to kind of survey the land and establish what is Kansas City today. It's amazing to think how smart one individual was, and you have to wonder, was he sent here for a reason? And it appears that he was. Coming up on our next podcast, we're going to take a look at a town in Kansas City that no longer exists, but was one of the big stops along the Santa Fe Trail. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.